Okay, good morning. The time is now 9.30. We'll go ahead and get started. If you would all please rise for the invocation, and Trevor will provide that this morning. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here before you. We ask that you bless this board with your wisdom and insight into your will. We thank you for the recent rains and ask that you continue to bless this region with more water and uh, ask that you bless this meeting in your name. I'll call the meeting to order of the Mojave Water Agency Board of Directors for February 22nd and ask one of our new employees, Stefan Longoria, to lead us in the pledge this morning. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Stefan, for leading the pledge, and Trevor for leading Mine's that invocation this morning. <laughs> we'll now go to a roll call, Latrice. Director Page. I'm here. Director Hoffman. Here. Director Ramirez. Here. Director Raleigh. Here. Director West. Present. Director Limbaugh. Here. President Cox. Present. We also have an attendance, General Manager Adnan Anatawi, and we have presenting staff, Mike Simpson, Tess Faye Demisi, and Carrie LeClaire. Thank you, Carrie. We'll move on to approval of the agenda, and we'll be using the Granicus voting. We have a motion by Director Page and a second by Director West. Okay, that motion passes. Item four is public participation. I don't see any new members of the public here. Do we have anyone online that's wishing to speak under public comment? No, not at this time. I will go for forego reading that paragraph. Next, we'll move on to a workshop item number nine, property tax review and forecast by HDL. The PFST committee had a preview of this last week and I think the rest of the board will really enjoy this presentation. So, Adnan, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you. Good morning. Yes, we had a, a really in-depth conversation, um, understanding of our property taxes as well as the projections by Paula Cohn. Paula Cohn's online to, to provide this uh, uh, workshop again to the board. So, with that, Paula. Thank you. I need to share my screen with you. Is there a way we can make Paula's image larger so people can see her speaking? Hold on just a minute, Paula. I want to make sure you can see the screen that I'm seeing. Yes, we can see the screen. Director Page, did you have a question? Mm -hmm. Steve's online. All right, Paula. Is it my turn? Yes, please proceed. 
Okay, and I, I want to thank you again for allowing me to talk about property taxes, both what we're seeing in your current fiscal year, you've got four months left in 23-4, and what we're seeing as we are now starting the budget process for 24-5. And as usual, I'd like to add a little bit of context uh, and that, that deals with the values uh, that are included in the role each year. And I'm going to be looking in this particular slide on what we will be seeing as we enter the 24-25 budget forecasting or budget preparation. And in order for something to occur on the roll, it, it happened in 2023. It was leaned on January the 1st, 2024, about two months ago. The role is currently with the assessor. It will stay with the assessor for six months until the end of June 2024. Uh, he applies the Prop 8 changes, makes role corrections, makes corrections to the role, and then finally closes the role and at the end of June or the 1st of July sends that role to the auditor's office. Their job is to apply the direct assessments, any voter approved measures, uh, and extends the role, and that role is then transferred to the tax collector July the 1st. So now we're eight months down the road from the roll, January 1st, and finally the tax collector has it and sends the, bell, the bills out in September. Those bills, of course, go to the taxpayers. The taxes are due in November. They become delinquent on December the 10th each year and in February next year, 2025, becoming delinquent in April 2025. The money, of course, goes to the tax collector who lets the auditor know, I've got the money. You can now distribute the money to the cities, the counties, the special districts, and the schools. And so again, by the time you will get to August 2025, or in this year, August 2024, you're 18 months beyond the point where the values were leaned. So the thing about property taxes is that they typically lag 12 to 18 months, what you're seeing on the ground in 2024, if it is not completed by the end of 2024, you will not see it in 25-6. It will roll over to 26-7. So there's a big lag between the values as they're being developed, uh, when they're going to be appraised, and finally hit the roll for taxation. Uh, to get into uh, the more uh, I guess more relevant information about where we are in 2023, the values, and these are the taxable values, the values that receive tax bills. The gross assessed values also include things like schools, government properties that do not receive tax bills. So the, the taxable value for 23-4 grew 10.1%. Last year they grew 9.9, .9, and the two years prior to that they grew slightly less than 6%. This is your district in comparison with the county of San Bernardino as a whole. And you outpaced the county in the past two years and were a little lower than the county in the two prior years. Well, again, this is a five-year comparison to look at a 10-year comparison. And this is to sort of give you a sense of the lead up in the real estate bubble before the Great Recession, the Great Recession, and where we are today. It took 11 years 
for the recovery between 2008 and 2019-20 when you finally, as a district, had more value than you had back in 2008 before the decline started. Uh, the average growth, if I were to look at this entire 30-year period, is an average of 5.38% per, per year. So those, those two years I showed you on the prior slide that were in the fives, those were in the normal range. The 9 and 10% are outliers. We don't see that often. And if you look at the past four years, the growth in the district compounded over the past four years has been 31.4%. So the values have grown by a third in the past three year, or four years. And again, looking at the growth that we saw in 23-4, the current fiscal year, the district grew $4,681,000,000 in change, a growth year over year. The items that were driving that growth, first was the change of the CPI, due to the CPI. When Prop 13 was adopted, it allowed for a 2% change or the CPI, whichever was less on properties that don't sell or add new construction. So as a whole, that 2% added about 1.68 of your 10% growth or 16% of your growth came from properties doing little more than sitting where they were and getting that 2% bump. The big item here are properties that sold last year. They accounted for more than half of your growth, 5.28 of your 10%. 2.4 billion of your 4.6 billion year over year. This in a year that wasn't like 21 or 22 when we had low interest rates, this usually tracks around 3%. And so that shows you the, the difference that we saw in sales transactions in calendar year 22 that were reflected in 23-4. This should say 23. 3-4, by the way, I just noticed that. I can't tell you how many times you look at a presentation and it looks fine until it isn't fine. Uh, the new construction, <laughs> right? I, I, I've done this, I've already made this presentation once and didn't catch that before. Uh, the new construction uh, added more than 1.5% of your growth. And again, you've got a lot of industrial warehouses, uh, still some residential uses, both single family and multifamily that uh, combined added a lot to your growth. And then finally, the other changes, and I want to point them out because they were more than 1%, uh, they are, are uh, a couple of reasons. We do find that when corporations sell, we don't see those as, as prior year transactions. They don't come to us in deed numbers, and we have to wait the next year to pick that up. Also, appeals that were reduced during the Great Recession have been restored. That added part of this positive. And the utilities, the uh, uh, solar and electrical uh, complexes in your community were also part of this growth. Whoops. Looking at the revenue that you will receive this year, the portion of the 1% revenue that was in play when Prop 13 was adopted and you uh, continue to receive that revenue, uh, $1.6 million. You also have a Mojave Water Agency Part A and B generating $28 million, and the land-only uh, Mojave Water Agency uh, debt uh, water service, uh, 15.2. So 
the entire property tax element here is about $45 million. And then finally, your growth and the county of San Bernardino, as we've talked about, you had about a half a percentage point more growth than they did. Okay, um, I, the, the narrative here is going to be why aren't we seeing as much value change to be projected in 24-5 as we saw in 23-4, that 5.28% growth. And part of that has to do with the sales transactions. And this report looks at the single family homes that sold last year in 2022, and this year, this one that just ended in 2023. And there were only two months last year when the sales transactions exceeded, or actually it was only one month, when the sales transactions exceeded by number the sales that they had in the prior year. You'll see in January in 22, 759 sales, in 23, 380. 710, 396. So you can see more than a couple of 100 sales lower in each of the months. Once we hit October, there were 31 more sales. Not a big bump, but still uh, greater numbers of sales. And we ended the year with, a le with about 2,000 fewer sales transactions, fewer homes sold in 2023 than sold in 2024. So even if they sold for the same price, the fact that you had 2,000 less homes sell means that you're going to have a lower additive to be seen next year. The other thing is that when the, the dollar change between the, the value on the roll, so the taxable value last year, and the sale price, which is generally going to be enrolled as the new market value, last year added $1.38 billion, so 22 to, was added for the 23-4 year, to be added next year, we've got roughly half a bill, half a million dollars, half a billion dollars less to be enrolled in 24-5 based on the sales in 23 than we had last year. And that's, that's a significant amount. Sale prices as an additive are down 24.7% and the number of homes that sold are down by 25.7%. So we are not expecting the same 5.28% additive next year. And if, if we only had half of that, that's going to take your 10% down to 8% with no other thing to be discussed. And uh, just to focus one other way on this, uh, you have a portion of your district that's in former redevelopment project areas in just about every city that you serve those have a different level of a return to you because that money is deposited with the county in the RPTTF, that's the real estate prop, uh, the redevelopment property tax trust fund, and the county administers that. And, and you do get residual revenue. Uh, you are kept whole through pass-throughs. But beyond that, if we look at the total uh, change in value year over year, all properties. We looked at the single family homes, but you've also got uh, commercial industrial properties that sell as well. And last year, 2.4 billion, this year, 1.5 billion. So that's, that's uh, the difference overall. But again, if we just focus on the amount in your general fund, there's about a half a billion dollars less that you're going to see here. In order to increase your revenue in your general fund up 
you need to find $312.8 million, and that's 1% of your $31 billion in your general fund. If I divide this $759 million by what it takes to move you up 1%, we're at 2.42% growth next year. So that's uh, the, the, the difference that we're looking at in your general fund forecasting. And, you know, this is a trend that we're seeing. I, I think now that we're seeing the interest rates down to the, the mid-sixes, that uh, we will probably see this pick up. Some of the economic pundits are saying that's probably going to happen uh, after the spring. I think we'll see it in probably the July-August time frame. I think it's going to happen a little lo later than that. Uh, once people start jumping back in, this number probably will improve for 25-6. But that said, we've got an election in 24, and I don't know what's going to happen to sale prices or any other things after that election. Your immediate sale prices, uh, and again, these are all single-family homes. Uh, the district hit its peak in 2006 before the Great Recession when a single-family home at that point sold for $305,000. It hit its low in 2011 at $105,000, roughly $200,000 off. Huge declines in these three years. And then finally in 2021, the, the sale price surpassed the price that we had seen there. That was a uh, 11 years from the from the bottom to this point and about 15 years overall from high to high. Last year in 2022, your median price, the single family home, this is both attached and detached homes, was at 395,000. In 2023, you lost a little bit, about 2% on those median sale prices. And, uh, you know, when there is an insufficient amount of homes that are being offered for sale, it, it becomes a seller's market. They don't have to increase their, their fees or their sale price, and we did see a little bit of a retraction there. Every time we've seen a retraction, you can see the kind of growth you see after that. So I, I don't want you to get lulled into, gee, we had a 2% decline. As soon as people jump back into the market, that is going to turn around. And last year when I was here, and I, I should have automated, uh, animated this, I did not, uh, the, every city that's served by the district had a positive change year over year in the median sale prices in 22. In 23, only one city, and that's Hesperia, has a positive. Everyone else is negative. Hesperia, if I looked at their November sales, they were really flat, 0.00. So they picked up a little bit in December. Last year, the prices uh, countywide were up 10.34. This year, the prices are flat. This report, uh, I know you've got some selected uh, areas of interest, and we pulled together Silver Lakes, Spring Valley Lake, and Jess Ranch, including Sun City. Last year, remember, detached homes, and those are the homes that are not condos or townhomes, tend to sell for a little less than a attached home. But if we look at the detached homes in Silver Lakes last year, they were at 360500 as a medium price. 
This year, they're at 353 uh, detached and attached, so all single families. And last year, they were at 350. So the Silver Lakes area actually had an increase of 1.07%. Those homes are selling for $3,750 more than they sold for last year. And Spring Valley Lake, uh, both last year's uh, and this year's, uh, the detached and attached are selling for the same. However, last year's detached and attached were selling for $5,000 more than they are this year. A slight decline. And just a ranch, including Sun City, is actually down $20,000 for that median price. Uh, no detached homes in the Jess Ranch, including uh, Sun City. Uh, all of these either had a 9 or 10 or 11% increase year over year last year. So if I look at this year, you can see the declines uh, uh, in two of these. Silver Lakes had 57 fewer sales this year. It's a decline of 24%. Spring Valley Lake had 76 fewer sales. That's a decline of 30%. And Jess Ranch had eight fewer sales for a decline of 4%. So while one of these actually had an increase in price, they actually had a decrease in the number of homes that sold. Your top 10 taxpayers don't move too much, although the ICE uh, Center was number 11. It was in the top 10 last year. Numbers 1, 2, and 5 are all cement production companies. They have large gravel pits. Uh, that they they mine for cement industries. Number three, the Walmart stores collectively, Victorville, Yucca Valley, Apple Valley, and Asperia. Uh, that they're number three. They have about half a percentage of all of the value in the district. H-I-G-C-O-V, S-C-L-C. This is an industrial warehouse, newly developed. You can see the value. Uh, is uh, 229 million, uh, pardon me, $275 million. The General Atomics uh, Aeronautical System, that site made the list about two years ago. Uh, it's mostly aircraft that's being assessed at this location. The High Desert Power Trust, Trust and the Intermountain Power Agency, those two uh, uh, companies that are utility related uh, were number seven and eight. Prologis, the Amazon Fulfillment Center is number nine, and the Mesa Ridge Victor Valley Mall is number 10. So those round out your top 10. They make up about 5% of the value in the entire district. How did we do? And uh, no, I, I, I laugh when I, uh, I speak to your uh, finance uh, committee because I would like to hit the number right on the head. And if I come in low, you're more than happy that I didn't over budget. So we're good with that. Mm -hmm. uh, last year, our, our forecast for the general fund was 6.15%. The actual change was 9.4. New construction uh, sales that did not have an owner change and uh, higher Prop 8 restorations. And the unsecured value growth tends to be the personal property assets that we find that are put in these huge industrial warehouses, there are a lot of robotics to move the goods around to be put on trucks, and those have a high value uh, at about a three-tenths of a percentage point. Uh, if we were to have accounted for some new construction, we would have come closer, but we still would have been under. Looking at your MWA, 
uh, again, the same elements, new construction, sales without an owner, some unsecured growth were the re reasons for the change. But you can see that in these areas, you had close to 10% or greater than 10% when we were in the six, high 6 to 7% estimates. And this year, we're estimating 3.90%. We have a lower metric here on sales transactions. Uh, we have not put any new construction in. You had about 1% growth due to new construction, which would uh, build this out to about 5% rather than 3.98. If you don't put new construction, you're going to have a conservative estimate. If I look at your uh, water agency number two, again, we budgeted 4.98. No new construction, that would come up to almost 6% if you were to add new construction and there is no construction taxed in the land only, and so this is a solid number that we would go with. To round those out, just to show you the differences, you've got your general fund, your MWA parts A and B, and your MWA land only levy. There were some parcel additions. Most of these were residential homes that were added as being subdivided. Uh, if they were land only, and we will see new construction values added next year, that's one of the pots of new growth that we can consider. And uh, the last thing uh, is a five-year forecast. We do provide this, uh, just our, our methodology for the current year is that you know, we, we know what we know for 24-5. We know the sales, we know the CPI, we can forecast some uh, value for new construction. 25.6, we've kept pretty flat in comparison to what we had in 24.5, particularly in the sales transaction area. We're keeping that pretty commonly flat. As we move out in the other three years, we're using a 20-year average of sales. And uh, the 20 years pulls in a lot of those high points as well as the low points. Uh, but uh, we don't know what's going to happen, and we'd rather at least keep you somewhat conservative than, than double-budget items that aren't going to happen. And I'm, is it okay if I stop the share? Yes, certainly. Okay. And if the directors have a question, we can always go back to a particular oh, yeah. slide. Okay. Thank you, Paula. We'll start with questions. This is always a very packed presentation, but I know we've got some questions on the part of the board. We'll start with uh, Director Hoffman. I'm sure you found this of interest. I did, of course, especially the real estate side of it. But um, I don't have any questions. I already had heard it through Finance Committee, but thank you. Okay. Director Limbaugh? No questions. Wow. Director West? Good. <laughs> So that, it's a lot of information, but um, I appreciate the presentation, and I know that um, I also appreciate staff's uh, use of sound judgment and being more on the conservative side. More money, great. Uh, other than that, I didn't have any particular questions. Um, I think going through it a second time helped me understand more from last week, so I appreciate that. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Director Thank you. Director Raleigh? Uh, no questions, but a good presentation, Paula. I appreciate it. Thank Director, you, Director. Director Page? 
um, just thank you to Paula. I got to hear this a second time also, and just I really think this is just so important as we build the budget, and just really appreciate. I know that uh, this is something that we uh, do every year, and I think we need to continue to do it. Thank you. Director Ramirez? Uh, no questions, but uh, excellent presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, some of you may be wondering, you know, don't we have a bookend presentation to this? In the past, we had engaged with Beacon Economics to kind of provide another area of prognostication for this, but because they've been tracking so close with HDL, we thought under President Page's leadership, the decision was made to no longer have Beacon, and we can use that money for other things, but uh, Paula provides such valuable service to us in the area of these projections. So thank you, Paula. Were there any last comments from staff? So just to say that um, uh, we, we've all, we appreciated the, um, the work Paula has done for the agency. Uh, these are very important numbers to bring into our financial models to project out and to understand the health of the agency as we pursue different programs and projects. So um, just want to thank her for her time. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. We'll move on to item six on the agenda. This is a workshop on the mid-year budget review. And then will you be kicking this off? Very briefly, yes, thank you. So uh, we have uh, Kathy Kortner uh, remotely, and I think given the presentation. So this was shared with the PFST uh, last week, I believe. Um, and so this presentation will review the current year's uh, budget, how we're tracking against that budget with actuals as well as projections. Um, and this is going to be, uh, this is about this year's budget, not to be confused with what's coming up uh, in future meetings, which will be the, uh, the next year's budget, 24-25. So with that, Kathy, um, thanks for being here, and please take it away. All right, thank you. So can everyone see my screen, and can you hear me okay? Yeah. Loud and clear, yes, thanks. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah, I've been having microphone problems all week, so I'm, yeah, I'm glad you could see it and hear me. So yes, this was presented at PFNS, and so this is a look back at you know how well did we predict what we were going to be spending, what the revenues were going to be, and just an overall check-in. So for this, I'll give just a little bit of background and check context about where we are and why we do this, but we'll spend most of the time on the revenues and expenses. This is the same presentation that was given at PFNS, so we haven't made any changes to it since then. So again, our strategic objective, you know, managing the financial resources of the agency, and a lot of that is trying to predict what we think is coming at us in the future. So this is a piece of the bigger picture of, of all the things that we do in finance to manage those resources. So last year when the budget was developed, we were looking at the strategic plan, our staff resources, O&M capital needs, created a budget, and then forecast that out in our financial model. Where we're at now is on the budget performance, how well did we did, do. That really does also help inform how we need to be approaching and thinking about next year as we're developing next year's budget numbers as well. And so uh, next month we'll be back up here in the strategic plan and, and the budget development. So this is how we, um, our revenues, this is all of our revenues that we had in the budget. And what we're going to focus on is this green column over here. That is the variance, you know, how far off we were on the budget. And fortunately, we were came in over budget in almost all revenue areas. 
except for grants. Um, grants, though, we'll see that there's an offset with capital projects that also didn't get done, so kind of nets to zero anyway. So um, we'll hit on the water sales. Um, we'll hit, I'm going to touch on the water transfers, because right now we have it set to zero. I don't think it's going to be zero, but um, it's hard to predict at this point in time exactly what number it will be, and I'll explain more when we get to that slide. Uh, third, we'll talk about the taxes. We just heard from Paula, so no surprise there. Um, interest, uh, yeah, that one came in quite a bit higher, and so I'll talk about how that happened, um, and then grants. So on water sales, the um, two customer bases actually purchased a lot more water than what was budgeted. One was in IDM. 2023 was a really wet year. We were trying to take as much water as possible and encouraging others to do the same. So IDM customers, we anticipated that they were going to take 2,400 acre feet. They were able to double that amount this year. So that brought us in quite a bit over. And then High Desert Power Plant didn't budget for any water purchases. Um, however, they ended up taking 2,000 acre feet. So on the wild, the wild card, the water transfers. So whatever we collect in this year, um, you know, or negotiate for contracts in this year gets posted usually in June. It's based on 2024 allocations. Right now, we don't know what the final allocation is going to be. It's currently, we just got increased to 15%. Um, but right now, we also have this multi-year transfer agreement that's in place for 24 and 25. And then after that, it's kind of who knows where it goes from there. But right now, we do have this in place. So depending on where the final allocations are, your revenues could be anywhere along this um, solid line here. And so we'll know more by May when we get the final allocation where this is going to end up if we're going to have that. If the allocations remain low, like 30% or below, there's also potential for dry year transfer, and that's up in the air as to whether or not that occurs. So right now this is kind of a uh, wait and see what's going on with the allocations, and then uh, the board can make some informed decisions and then that'll help inform where we end, really end up the year. On the property taxes, we budgeted for a 6% increase. And as Paula said, we're seeing closer to 10%. So that is the reason for the um, coming in so much over on the property taxes. Uh, in addition, when we looked at the general tax, it did not appear that the RDA money was um, included in our revenue for the general fund um, tax. And that was about a million dollars. On interest, we budgeted a 1.75% return. That was based on a, a cash balance of $150 million. We actually started the year closer to $160 million. In addition, there were some changes to some of the investment strategies employed by the agency, and our actual average return is now closer to 4%, more than double what was anticipated in the budget. So a little bit higher on the cash balance, and then a lot more on the return is contributing to that. On grants, um, multiple grants were awarded, um, some of them for the agency, some were passed through where we are the um, pass-through agency for other agencies where, you know, we get some regional grants. So about $4.9 million is for other agencies, $18.9 is for Mojave, um, $15 million was for capital projects. In fiscal year 23-24, we budgeted for $10.2 million to be received, um, however, all projects, both 
for the agency and on the paths we're coming in under, not because the projects are coming in under or we expect to get less grants. It's just a delay in the project timing. So these will all be carried over into next year's budget. And this is a list of the um, projects and grants that we have uh, outstanding here. And so you can see where the 5.3 million that we had budgeted and we're coming in quite a bit um, less for some of these projects out here. On the expenses, um, there's a few areas to touch on. One is DWR costs. Um, second, water purchases, way over budget, but for good reason. Uh, departmental expenses coming in under a little bit here, and then the agency grant expenses, as I just talked about in the revenue side, no surprise that we're coming in under here on the RDA. And then finally on capital, again, no surprise, some of this is tied to grants. So on the state water project, you know, overall, they're, they're a hard one to try to anticipate exactly where it's going to be. You know, right now for next year, we're going to try to anticipate what they're going to give us, you know, a year and a half out, 18 months out. Uh, but overall, it was within 2% of the total budget for the fixed cost, which is good. Um, we did see the transportation costs come in much higher than anticipated for 2024. Capital costs coming in slightly lower. However, the overall net of 2% is good. Uh, right now, I've been in uh, scheduling different meetings and working with others on um, trying to model and forecast out for the next 10 years where we think the future costs are going to go. And so, um, Next, next month, we'll be able to have a better discussion on what those trends are and what we think is where they're going. So water purchases, calendar year was the year that we had a really good 100% allocation. The agency was able to take in approximately 100,000 acre feet, plus transferred another 25,000 acre feet. That's 125,000 acre feet, which is about 35,000 acre feet more than your max table A. That tells me you're able to take advantage of a lot of Article 21 water, which I'm not sure the agency, I don't recall as ever being able to do that or having taken advantage of that. So, you know, DWR operates their water year on a calendar year basis. We budget on a fiscal year basis, which is, you know, July to June. So of the 100,000 acre feet that's purchased, almost 70,000 has been or is in the process of being um, delivered this current fiscal year. We budgeted for 47,000 acre feet to be purchased overall. So this um, difference there is contributing to the additional $5 million that was spent for that additional water. Departmental expenses overall uh, coming in under budget about 1.4 million. Salaries and wages are the largest contributor to this. Um, you know, we budgeted up here at 8.6 million. Um, we are coming in quite a bit under here, as you can see. Part of the error was variance was there was a budgeting error that we found. We, you know, implemented a new tool last year, and um, the way it imported into the central budgeting tool kind of double counted a couple of people. So that's what happened there. We're taking extra steps this year to. Um, make sure that doesn't happen and make sure things reconcile correctly. Um, in addition, there were just um, some vacancies, you know, at the CFO and, uh, you know, a couple of other vacancies that um, are accounting for the balance of the variance. Other departmental expenses right now are projecting it to come in pretty close to budget, you know, coming, right, it looks like about 100000 over. 
However, most of that is you know, Edison pumping costs. Again, more water, more movement of water through the system increases the overall electric bills with Edison. Um, these are all, this is taken into consideration when setting the electric rates for both IDM and the RQ customers. And so this gets accounted for in the cost recovery side as well. Uh, software licenses, we have made a budgeting change to move everything over into Trevor's budget in IT and out of individual departments departments so that we could get a better handle on all of the different licenses that are out there and have it under one house. Um, however, we took it out of everyone else's budgets, but uh, for, we didn't include it in Trevor. So so this coming in over really was just a function of a budgeting error, but no real change in the um, software licensing. Um, consulting coming in uh, slightly under, and then USGS um, is coming in under what we're projecting this year. Um, capital, we're coming in under about $8.9 The largest contributor to this really is the uh, Mojave River Pipeline Traveling Screen. I think there's an item later on in this agenda that um, will be helping to move that forward. And there's a couple of reasons for the delay in that project that we'll get into at the end. Um, and then the Arrowhead and Hellendale Monitoring Wells have been deferred. So overall, there are 36 projects planned. 32 have gotten started or in some phase of, of work being done. And so it's heavy, heavy workload for sure. So some of the key uh, takeaways, revenue greater than expected for all areas aside from grants. However, we're not gonna get less grants. It's just going to be deferred and moved out to next year's budget. Expenses less than expected, personnel costs being the number one contributor, as well as capital budget. And, Capital budget is um, really reflective of uh, project delays. We've had some staff turnover. Uh, some of the DWR review on the traveling screen caused some delays. We had a wet year where staff got re you know, prioritized into other areas to move water and some of the infrastructure outages that occurred during that time frame. So um, I'm not seeing where capital projects are coming in less. What I'm seeing in the numbers is a deferral. So we'll be having more discussion about those projects and what they look like going into next year's budget. So on the budget timeline, um, so we did this presentation to PFNS, um, PFS and T, and now um, we're at the board. We Next month, we will do the revenues and expenses together. Um, historically, we tried to squeeze it in and get it done at the same time as a mid-year as when Paula does her presentation. But the timing is really short. You know, Paula's scrambling, working hard just to get the numbers to us and then having a couple of days to try to throw together a revenue presentation. Uh, we decided it's really best to move that out and to keep it, um, move, have it with the expenses as well. However, given Paula's presentation, I don't think uh, you're going to see a lot of surprises there. And so after that, we'll get into a little bit of detail uh, budget discussion and provide a little bit more line items for the board to see. And we'll continue going back and forth and making any amendments or changes the board would like until you feel comfortable with the numbers and we adopt, um, hopefully by June 30th. With that, I can answer any questions you might have. Thank you, Kathy. I think a lot of the directors were on uh, PFST when we went through that, but we'll go through the directors again. Director Ramirez, do you have any questions? Uh, no, not at this time. Director Page? Not at this time. Director Raleigh? No, I uh, thank you, Kathy. Good to hear from you again. Director West? Uh, thank you. 
I had a couple of questions. Um, on the department budget, the this budgeting error, I guess what I, my question will be on the upcoming budget. So we're going to base next year on continuing to project filling of unfilled positions. And then how many unfilled positions are we actually recruiting? Um, Kathy, I don't know if you have that um, number. Oh, go yeah. ahead. I, I don't off the top of my head. You, uh, hopefully you and Carrie have the exact number. Yeah, there's, there was quite, yeah, I'll kick it over to Carrie in a second. Um, we have quite a few vacancies coming, well, through this year. Um, so that's what you're seeing. So some of those get filled mid-year. Um, but also for the, for the next budget, there will be another proposed, you know, set of uh, vacancies or staffing level. And we'll explain fully, you know, what the expectation is or what we're pr proposing, including where we're currently at versus what we're, what we're budgeting for. So typically we do budget for a full house. Um, and so that's what you'd see here. I know we've been we've filled some positions. I know. Yes, we we have filled some positions. We currently have four vacant. Um, two we are anticipating on filling by the end of this current fiscal year, and the other two vacant um, we are anticipating going into half of the year. So we did only. You'll see on next fiscal year's budget um, only half of those salaries and benefits budgeted for. Okay, so we're 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 moving on filling those vacancies that we wanted to fill. Just yes. I know it's been. Little bit of trouble finding folks. Um, and just so we're clear, that budgeting error that you mentioned, that doesn't play into the watermaster costs we've been talking about on the other side? No, it doesn't, okay. not at all. Because I know it dealt with vacancies and things involved in that too, with the reductions in cost and the projections. Um, and then I didn't quite understand uh, or about the Edison costs being higher, and what did we pump that? Because the Edison, or I mean, uh, DWR gets its power costs and the state water costs, right? This would be largely driven by Johnson Valley pump station, our, our, our local costs to move water. Um, this also includes our cubed, but I don't know if that necessarily moved more water than we budgeted for. Right. And even with Johnson Valley, that's recovered. Yes, exactly. Right. This offset with the, with the yeah. revenue. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, why was USGS so, are they just not, um, are we not active on some project that we plan to be or? I'm seeing Tony approaching the podium here to provide some <laughs> just clarity. Just curious. <laughs> this is a Tony, yeah. Yeah, so a couple of reasons. So if you remember our stream gauges discussion from about a year ago and we, we threw out that we were gonna put in maybe as many as seven stream gauges. Um, seven stream gauges was a, a, a little, our eyes were a little bigger than their capacity to install them, but we budgeted for all of them. Plus USGS has a tendency to invoice rather slowly. So those two things combined. So we, so we budgeted higher than we were actually able to spend because okay. of the stream gauges issue is the main thing. Okay. That's, that's fine. Thank you, Tony. And, um, so I guess it's just a little odd to be that we would say our Edison costs are over budget when we're actually recovering those. Is there a better way to maybe budget Edison or offsets or something? I don't know. Just just a comment. That would be all my questions though. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Director Limbaugh. Yeah. Um hi Kathy, how's the weather in Idaho? Uh actually this week is nice. So in the fifties. <laughs> <laughs> nice to hear from you. Sound sound like you're you're doing pretty good up there. Um, thanks for helping us yeah. out. Did it? Did it feel okay? Yes, yeah, thank you. Easy to get back 
back in the swing of things with the money with MWA? I, you know, well, I was able to pick up pretty quickly because of the past experience, but I almost felt like a new employee starting all over again. A lot has changed, a lot of good changes. And um, so, yeah, yeah, it took a little bit, but I did get there. Hey, how do you like that new general manager at MWA? Not not bad? <laughs> not bad at all. Sorry. <laughs> you know me, I have a couple questions about the budget. And, and um, okay. they're, they're not related to the numbers per se, but more of uh, how we get to the numbers. Um, and, and you know this, so I'm just gonna, uh, this, this question's question. more directed, I think, to the general manager than yourself, but you know about it. As you know, the West Side uh, Agreement doesn't kick in until 35% allocation, which has really nothing mm -hmm. to do with wet or dry allocation determination. So I guess my first question is, what differentiates between a wet year and a dry year allocation, and is it area specific? And I'll give you an example. It may rain cats and dogs in Sacramento, but in LA, we may get 10% uh, of our average annual rainfall or vice versa. And that drastically affects um, how that impacts state water allocations. So I think those that work here and deal with this uh, the, the crystal balling over the fiscal year for a calendar year uh, uh, water deliveries know that it's 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 not an exact science because we're not in control of it in any sense of the word so um, when we budget though we do have a certain philosophy that we put to this so we can come up with the numbers of how much we're going to make and so forth and so on so obviously we saw over the last two years this agency because of uh, largely due in part to you, Kathy, and, and the people that worked here, and the board, um, the policy about selling during dry years has really benefited us in the last couple of years, which is, which is a new nuance to this agency, but took a lot of planning to get there. The second is the agreement yeah. we have in a wet year where we can still get money for excess table entitlement. The one important thing that you did mention this year, though, is and I think it's key that everybody understand that we took a significant amount over our Table A entitlement, which was almost unthinkable in the 90s and early 2000s. So having said that, um, we really maximized our ability to, one, bring uh, supplemental water to the basin, and two, not cost us an arm and a leg or have to raise taxes, which is, uh, uh, for our area, is not a, not a good deal. Um, so I guess my, my philosophy uh, thought is, um, given the purchasers of the dry year water, um, is their situation now as we stand today in the same situation it was when we sold them the, was it 8,500 acre feet? Uh, are you saying given the allocation we're at right now? Right. If we move into a dry, if we stay in a dry scenario, 15% or less, um, is their situation of the same uh, circumstances that it was two years ago when they paid $2,000 an acre foot? Or did Northern California, or those, I, I don't know specifically the areas, do we sell to Dudley Ridge? I know where they are. Yeah, we sell. Did they buy? Um, is their situation of the same circumstances given their local hydrological conditions this year? 
Currently, my anticipation is no. And based on anecdotal evidence, right, between the 21 and 22 years, we saw an increase from $1,000 an acre foot of transfer price to 2000 So you have consecutive dry years in a row. People get more and more hungry for more water. So that's what we see. Uh, we, we're off, coming off the back of a very wet state water project year. So um, reservoirs have been filled. Groundwater basins and, ba and banks have been filled. So I'm not anticipating that there's too much market demand right now. Actually, finishing out the fiscal year, uh, even if the allocations stay around to 15%, I wouldn't expect too much transfer interest in, in purchases. Maybe if the year continues that way and we go into the next water year and it's still looking dry, some contractors are going to be looking to buy. But that's that's just, you know, this is based on my anecdotal experience with the last few years. But, uh, any, you know, it, it's sort of a wild card. So again, in, in hypothesizing uh, what we're going to get down the road, if the hydraulic river, or what's it called? Is that right? Hydraulic Atmospheric, Atmospheric river, river uh, continues and we get some more appreciable rain and the state raises the allocation, begrudgingly though, I think, um, uh, we're, we're probably more inclined to get the west side uh, reimbursement for water sales than uh, what we saw earlier with the dry years for people who really needed water desperately. That, that's, that would be my guess. Would you concur with that? I want to make sure I understand the question. You're saying that, the, the in, that whether or not we'll have an allocation that would trigger this multi-year minimum? And, uh, right. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's too early to tell. Um, it seems like um, you know, we are get, we, there is a lot of activity, so that we should expect to see that result in... Um, Possibility of that is probably greater than selling water in a dry year scenario. Yeah, I, I think that, so. That was, that I was would think point. so, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and I think staff understands that when they put the budget together every year, that it, if we have a dry year, it's good for us financially. Uh, of course, it's bad for management at the basin because we would love to import water every year as long as we can afford it. And uh, so that's, uh, that's nice to know that they consider those factors when we put together the budget so we don't overestimate how much we're going to sell water for versus how much we're going to be able to buy. So going into next year's budget, the 24-25 budget uh, really is going to be, uh, in terms of purchases and activity that we'll be doing on, on uh, uh, imports of water, we're based on the next water year, which we don't have any indication of right now. That's why it continues to remain a wild card. So this is always a constant struggle. You can look at this graph here and say, okay, well, what, what could we expect from transfers just out of this deal? You could do an expected value calculation, come up with an, an approximate, right? That line there you see dotted across is that average, but you tend to see above or below it. Uh, same thing was going to happen with uh, spot market transfer. So it's hard to do and predict um, in a given year, but more importantly, which is where we, where we actually think about this particular problem, is on the longer projection because you expect to see probably your, your, your highs and lows over the course of, let's say, a 10-year period. Um, and then, you know, truly understand, uh, are we in a good financial position to be able to, to move on water as well as bring in the revenue for transfers when that does occur? Great. Um, one, just one more comment. Um, if you run the numbers, the, the interest factor that you brought up, Kathy, was, was kind of interesting for interest because it represents 7% of our total tax revenue <laughs> in the fiscal year, which is... Uh -huh. Phenomenal. So uh, kudos to the, the board. We did a good job uh, conservatively putting our money in the bank <laughs> with our, they don't, we don't call it a 401k, but it, it, it's great. So that's it. And, and um, uh, 
Thank you so much, Kathy, for, uh, for uh, coming here and helping us out without a CFO. I know you know the capabilities of the staff in our financial department are, are uh, yeah. ad infinitum, and, and so uh, it's nice that you can come back. So we, we thank the technology guys for putting this all together so you can work remotely in Idaho and, and uh, dig yourself out every once in a while. If it gets too cold, you can always come yeah. back, you know. It, it didn't get below 20 yeah, degrees yeah, here. <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> yeah. That's Thank you. I you know, and I appreciate the kind words. I just want to say that the um, staff there, is, you know, they're behind all the details and the numbers and pulling this together. I'm just help, helping to guide and pull it together and present. So, um, yeah, I think the kudos belongs to the staff at, there at Finance. Thank you, though. Thank you. Uh, Director Hoffman? I have no questions. Okay, I think we'll go back to Director West. She had a oh. follow-on question. I just forgot to ask as a follow-up on the power. Um, did Do we have a number that we generated from our hydro station that offsets our cost? Or have you been running it? I think yeah, we were. The way that shows up is it's a it's sort of a discount on our costs from Edison, so it, it applies to the current bills we have. Uh, I don't know, Carrie, if you want to expand more on that. Yes, we're still trying to work through that. Edison is a little clunky on their billing. Um, we do get that information once a quarter to us, so we're still doing an analysis on that, but we'll be sure to bring that information back. But our, our hydro has been running, right? Yep. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you for all those good questions. Um, yeah. Can I? Well, that's okay. I'll talk to Ethan. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead, Kathy. <laughs> I, I was just going to say on the hydro, um, you know, I don't know if it was decided, but, you know, the hydro benefiting the entire agency versus being an offset on some of the pumping costs. So, um, yeah, I, I started to say that, and then I thought I better back off because Ethan may have changed that. So sorry. Okay, well, thank you, Kathy. We're glad to have you back on board. Thank you. And Ann, are there any closing comments? No, I just want to echo what Kathy said. Finance staff, is we know how uh, tremendous that department is, and they've worked extra hard uh, to sort of uh, get us back on track with the mid-year as well as the, the budget process that's coming up, so I want to thank them. Excellent. Good job, Carrie. Thank you. We appreciate that. And we appreciate your assistance also, Kathy. Thank you. So now we'll move on to the consent calendar item number seven, adopt board actions for the regular meeting of February the 8th. Eight was the mid-year budget. Oh, no, eight is new business, right? So we're going to do seven. Adopt. Oh, okay. Adopt Sorry, I was the. Sorry to interrupt you. Right. That's okay. I no, you got to. You, you have to keep me on point the there. <laughs> so, on the minutes, we have a motion by Director Limbaugh and a second by Director West. That passes. Now we'll go on to item eight consider amendment number three to the contract with Corolla Engineers and authorization for a fee increase to the design and bid phase services for the Mojave River Pipeline Traveling Screen Project. Yes, thank you. Um, this was heard on Tuesday's PREO, and we typically wait at least a week in case there's comments that, that uh, revise a staff recommendation. So 
Um, this was happening quick because this is a timely, and we want to make sure that we don't delay this project any further. Um, Tesfay will walk through uh, the current ask for the change order on this on this uh, particular work and explain why, how we got there. Um, I <laughs> there were very little comments or questions on the Peoria because of how complete Tesfay's presentation was. So I anticipate uh, similar, but uh, we, we have it here for for new new discussion anyway. So uh, with that, Tesfay, if you could. Uh, take it away. Thank you, General Manager uh, Adnan Arabtawi. I'm here with uh, Mike Simpson, Director of uh, Engineering and Operation as well for Project uh, History and Continuity. So I'm uh, to present for your consideration Amendment Number 3 uh, to the contract with Carolo Engineer, uh, Engineering Incorporated and request for authorization for a fee increase for the Mojave uh, River Pipeline Traveling Screening Project. Uh, my presentation have you know the agenda shown here. It includes location, background, uh, issues encountered during the design phase, uh, as well as uh, Carlos' request for amendment number three, followed by staff review of the request and the recommendation. Uh, just to get you know the perspective of the location of project, it is located as shown here uh, at the. California Aqueduct. Excuse me. And uh, 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 from transportation corridor perspective, it is to the north bounded by Highway 18, to the east by Highway 395, and uh, to the uh, southeast would be Interstate 15. So a more uh, zoomed-in view of the location shows the project footprint. Uh, it shows it's bounded by California Aqueduct, uh, to the north by Duncan Road, and to the east by White Road. So this uh, map also shows component parts of the project. Uh, I would like you to uh, you know, emphasize here the traveling screen, which would be built within California Aqueduct, and the, there was extensive review required uh, with DWR, and their review involved uh, not only you know within their right of way, but also on agency right of way that has something to do with the traveling screen or the piping, uh, such as the control building with the pumps, uh, controls, SCADA, and uh, all involved. And the primary function of this uh, project is actually to provide the functionality of screening debris out of the aqueduct coming into the full, uh, for the full capacity of the pipeline. Uh, we do not have that functionality at this time. So the uh, additional recharge is then uh, no additional benefit. It also has a piping modification which allows for future expansion to the east. 
Um, here I would be providing background that are uh, related to the design of the project for a complete list of uh, board actions as well as committee meetings is provided in the staff meeting. The first one is uh, the board action that initiated the preliminary design phase, uh, which was authorized in January 2020 and uh, completed in the same year, December of that year, by identifying the preferred alternative as well as design parameter for the final design. The main presentation here today is for the final design and bid phase services. Uh, which was authorized on March 11, 2021. Uh, this authorization number two required the consultant to complete the design and bid phase services by March of 2022. However, for uh, the project has been delayed and still we are working on it you know, almost two years later than originally planned. So some of the issues accounted for this are lengthy reviews and comments by DWR. There were you know, eight submittals and associated revisions, whereas in a standard public agency review, we should anticipate about two to four. Um, there is also project management staffing changes, both at MWA and DWR, uh, plus uh, information that was obtained for vendors like Tesco or traveling screen uh, provider IWS, they need to be frequently updated because of the delay. So when we look these three factors all in all, it is not uh, you know, the fault or the issue with the consultant. And based on this, the consultant provided uh, informed uh, MWA that they do not have sufficient funds left in their contract to complete uh, the bid phase services. And uh, MWA requested for an explanation, and the consultant provided a proposal that outlined performing uh, out-of-scope work items during the design phase as you know, being the main reason for uh, running out of budget. The, those proposals were first uh, reviewed internally on February 12th, and uh, after their concurrence, uh, the consultant provided a revised proposal on February 14, 2024, and that proposal is included in the staff report. So I will just go over, especially for those you know, hearing over audio, those uh, out-of-scope items include weekly progress meeting, uh, reviews of the design and the specifications by uh, DWR, which is about eight, additional vendor coordination, uh, final uh, plan specification and engineering, as well as grant funding report, uh, revision of front-end specification, uh, additional coordination for three-phase power supply uh, from directly from Edison, as well as uh, still outstanding additional out-of-scope work. So it, a detailed uh, review of each of the out-of-scope items is included in the staff report. Uh, here, I will just go the highlights. You know, the first one being weekly progress meeting. Uh, the consultant completed the design in G uh, June 2023, and we did receive uh, DWR approval in December 2023. And there was a six-month gap in between and 
MWA kept coordinating weekly uh, with the consultant to keep uh, you know, the project going until all the concerns from DW are addressed and we, uh, we get uh, approval. So for that reason, staff agrees that the additional cost is reasonable. Um, similarly, uh, coordination, uh, uh, coordination with Tesco and IWS, uh, front-end specification and coordination with the uh, South uh, California Edison, uh, those are the consultant has done work above and beyond what is required in the original approval by the board and staff agrees. The only two items that we uh, disagreed and negotiated with them is the DWR design and planning specification. While there were eight, four should be anticipated in the original contract. And as to the final plan specification engineering, uh, they do have also a project manager uh, staffing change as the consultant, and it's not only you know, MWA. For that reason, we agreed to their reduced uh, fee of this. Uh, all in all, uh, the consultant requested a little bit over $90,000, as you can see here, and uh, uh, the final agreed upon price is 55278 representing a reduction of over $35,000. So fiscal impact, the requested amount of 55278 is within the capital budget for fiscal year 2023-2024. Uh, as such, by approving this uh, request, there is no impact to the current uh, project budget. Recommendation, staff recommends the board of directors approve amendment number three to the contract with Carolo Engineers Incorporated and authorize a fee increase to the design and bid phase service for the Mojave River Pipeline traveling screen project in the amount not to exceed $55,278. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lot of money. And I, unfortunately, I didn't get to hear the committee uh, feedback, um, so I look forward to hearing Director Limbaugh's thoughts on this. So we'll go through the board. Uh, Director Ramirez, do you have any questions on this request? No, I do not. Director Page? No, I just, as the uh, chair, I'm hoping to hear from Mr. Limbaugh's, uh, because it did go before. Uh, our committee, and I think he can share with you what, what we thought about it. Director Raleigh? Uh, one question. So the uh, the delay has nothing to do with the consultant at all? It was all on uh, DWR changes? Uh, the most of the uh, delays are from DWR, MWA, and uh, also the pandemic. But they do have one where I shared there is a shared responsibility for the final planning specification. So they requested about uh, 12000 uh, where because of that, uh, we agreed at uh, $6,307. So it was reduced? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Director West. Is the cost to the people for the tsunami they called a pandemic 
and delayed costs and inflation and uh, the DWR thing just blows my mind. We have an existing traveling screen out there somewhere and some reason it required a full year salary of review <laughs> is what I said the other day. I mean, <clears throat> this is just what we're faced with if we're going to move ahead. So um, I don't think it would benefit us to start over, obviously. And uh, we are almost there, right? <laughs> So that would be all my comments. I think it did pass through committee, but it's just frustrating that, you know, the people get saddled with these things that they couldn't see before, right? That thought, Director Hoffman? No questions. Director Limbaugh, enlighten us. Take it home. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's interesting. The, uh, the engineering staff at MWA grew <laughs> after this work was already done. But uh, as you can see, based on what we've heard so far, um, the other engineer gave a presentation at the meeting also. Uh, uh, they're very capable. And this, this forensic accounting for these guys, even though you weren't responsible for the work when it was done, uh, is, is, is detailed and very thorough. Um, it only represents about 10% of Corolla's work uh, for this piece of that moss screen. And you are all correct. Um, the DWR is, is probably remiss in there responding to us, but who are we? You know, we're not a state agency, we're just a special district. And to go from four to eight reviews is, is nonsensical, particularly if I think if we look at few, a few of those reviews, it's probably didn't spell the words right, or you didn't call it right, or you had the, you know, something minuscule, but has to go through the cycle again. And uh, so I think they did a good job um, bandering with Cabril, to, uh, Carollo. Carollo to, uh, to, to get to uh, fifty-five thousand versus the ninety thousand, so that 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 in itself is an achievement, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, this project's going to move forward this year. Within from today, year forward, we should be uh, well down the road on it. So uh, something not due to our our initiative, but uh, we took care of it, and it's it's behind us now. So. That's why the committee, I think, uh, wholeheartedly recommend that this go to the board for approval. If anybody has any specific questions, I, I'd be more than happy to answer them. Anybody? Well, okay. I actually had one, um, you or staff. Um, were we aware of these overages as we moved through the process, or was it kind of an after the fact, by the way, you know, we've, we've exceeded our budget? Uh, generally, you know, uh, uh, in design nature, it's not well defined. So they, the consultant will be, you know, with the first, uh, they were looking and their thought was they might be able to cover. However, the first time they notified us is November 16, uh, 2023. And uh, after meeting them, we asked for the detail and they provided us that explanation in reviewing uh, internally, uh, we found it to be, you know, accurate. Okay. Thank you for that. So I would make the motion that we uh, approve this. Look, look at your granicus. Oh, what do I have to do? Oh, I have to vote. Your granicus button. Sorry, old. <laughs> I don't know if Director Hoffman <laughs> wants to withdraw. Oh, God, technology, what can I do? Huh? <laughs> okay, so we have a motion <laughs> by Director away. Hoffman, <laughs> a second by Director Ramirez. They like to sneak in there and get those votes, you know. <laughs> Sorry, you missed out. <laughs> okay, that motion passes. 
Uh, we are on now to uh, number nine managers reports, but before we do that, uh, there's someone that's come into the audience that I would like to introduce to the board. Um, about a year, year and a half ago, Carrie, um, MWA made the decision to invest with a new investment fund called California Class. Currently, we have $70 million. With California Class, we have $12 million with LAIF, $8.2 million in a CBB trust account, and then we have $65 million with Dave Whitholm and Insight Investments. And I'd like to have Bob Shaw from California Class come up, introduce himself to the board, and tell us a little bit about your investment fund. You have the podium. Thank you for the opportunity, I'll be quick. There are three investment pools in the state of California, California Class, Caltrust, and Camp. You might have heard of those two other names. California Class is the newest local government, government investment pool in the state, been up and running about two years. A little bit of the backstory, Public Trust Advisors, who I actually work for, is the investment manager of the pool. Public Trust Advisors is the largest provider in the country of local government investment pools we manage. 22 pools now, totaling about $80 billion in assets. But a local government investment pool is really just a money market style, short-term strategy, but built by the public sector in the format of a JPA. Looks like a, a typical money market fund that you might have used with Schwab or Fidelity, very short-term, ultra-safe and conservative, and a current yield of about 5.5% as of this morning. It's been a pleasure working with MWA appreciate uh, being able to share a few minutes with you. Thank you. Okay. Are there any questions for Bob? No? Okay. Uh, as you heard from Kathy, our investments are really outperforming what was projected, and uh, this, this fund has been doing a phenomenal job on the returns, and we hope that it continues into the, the next year. And with that, we'll go ahead and proceed with item nine, manager's reports. Yes, thank you. And thanks, Bob, for that uh, introduction. But um, just a quick one. Uh, you already meant, well, Kathy already mentioned it in, during her presentation in the mid-year. We were given an update to the state water project allocation. It bumped up from 10 to 15% yesterday. So forward progress, good to see. Um, I, we know that DWR is going to remain a little bit conservative as they see how these storms play out given their... Um, constraints in operating or exporting during this time. So we'll continue to track it and provide information. Um, with that, uh, that, that concludes manager's reports. Thank you. We'll go to uh, General Counsel Steve Kennedy. Do you have any reports this morning? Uh, good morning, uh, Madam President, members of the board. Uh, nothing to report at this time. Thank you. Right. We'll move on to uh, directors for director's reports. Director Hoffman, do you have anything? Director Limbaugh, Director West, no, thank you. Director Raleigh, no, thank Director you. Page. Yeah, I just want to mention about the um, the river. Nice to see it uh, <clears throat> flow so quickly after uh, each of the rains. As I think I've brought up before, that didn't used to happen. But with all the water we put in, and <clears throat> I don't know how we get that story out, but I don't think a lot of the, the public understands that the reason it's uh, flowing through the channel like it's been the last uh, two rainfalls after a day or two is 
it would not naturally be happening if we had not artificially done some things over this past year. And I, I think it's a good story. I don't know how we actually share that story, but I think it would be great for the public to know that um, they normally wouldn't see it. We haven't had that much rain for it to flow the way that it uh, actually is flowing without the artificial recharge. So th that's my only comment. She's Charlene making some notes out there, so she's... she's I don't know how you actually do it, but... <laughs> yeah, good point. Thank you. Director Ramirez? Uh, nothing at this time. Um, I, not necessarily a report, but maybe a question at the narrow stream gauge by the old iron bridge. In the last heavy rainfall we got, I've noticed it, it seems like there's it's really silted up. Does that impact the stream gauging in that area? And that's probably a Tony question, and he's stepped out. Maybe you can just get that information. Sure, we'll be able me. to provide that. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of mud moved in that last rainfall. Uh, we're, we are now at item 12, other business, discussion items for next or future agendas. Are there any thoughts from the board? And we do not have a closed session today, so with that, we are adjourned. Very good.